0: welcome to the seashore church message of the week this message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today for more resources like this or to learn more about our church visit seashorechurch.com are you ready i've been praying about this message Um, and i pray you receive it i do tolerance is not a virtue How's that for a title? <laughs> Revelation chapter 2. I actually debated, I just got back from Turkey last week visiting uh, our pastor over there and kind of the work that we've been doing and you know the seven churches of Revelation and, and Revelation chapter 2 and 3 Jesus writes to seven different churches. They're all within about a two-hour drive from where we're planning a church in Izmir and so I, I toured five of the seven and so I, I kind of debated. I, 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 trust me, when you go see these places, it's like, that's it, I'm doing a series, seven-week series, because it's so easy and so good to do. And so I was like, no, we'll, we'll figure out what it looks like. But I am focusing on one of those, and it was actually one of the seven that I didn't get a chance to visit. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, it says, to the angel of the church in Tyreterah, write, these are the words of the Son of God, I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I'll cast her on a bed of suffering, and I'll make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. How many of you are grateful there's an unless? Yes. Right? Yes. I will strike your children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am He who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Tyre, tira to you who do not hold her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not Im- impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one that one, will rule with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears to hear, let him Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Who is this a letter to? It's not a letter to the world. It's a letter Jesus is writing to the church. Jesus is speaking to us. Okay? Now, Jesus said to this church in Tyratira, and for you Greek scholars, I'm sure I'm butchering this word. Rummy, help me here. Am I saying it right? Tyratira, Tyratira. Anyway, Jesus says, I see all the good things you're doing. He said, I see the good that you've done. And and he even says, I see that you're doing more each year. Like I've seen the charts. I've seen the graphs. I've seen the the church growth. And I've seen the the line graph that goes up. I've seen that your giving has increased. I've seen that your missions are increasing. I see that more people got saved this year than last year. I see the, the baptisms are up. The attendance is up. I see it. I see you're doing more. Churches are really good at telling everybody all the good they're doing. But. Like he's not condemning them for growth. He's saying, yeah, I see that good things are happening, but. You tolerate Jezebel. And then the rebuke that comes after that is quite strong. I pray that when I... Go before the Lord and I say, Lord, search me, know me, see if there's any unclean way within me as David prayed. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I hope there's not a but. (laughs) You know what I mean? Now, if there is a but, the good news is all I have to do is repent right away and it goes and I get to start fresh again. He is the God of fresh starts and second chances and third chances. You're only one repentance away from getting exactly where God wants you to be. But I pray that I don't build my life with all of the things and have a but that I couldn't see and that I didn't even inquire of the Lord to find out. Is there a but? Have I gone out and preached to others but have disqualified myself from the prize? Have I spent my life doing things of the kingdom and missing the king? I don't want there to be a but that I can't see. And so Jesus says, This church, you're doing good. But, you tolerate Jezebel. So who is Jezebel? Anybody ever been prayed for and said you had a Jezebel spirit? <laughs> well, I actually want to help you a little bit. We're going to do, uh, Jared, you're going to love this one. We're going to do a bit of Bible history here about who Jezebel is to put it in context. Jezebel, uh, it's odd that you, you kind of read this name in the book of Revelation, which was written probably 80, 60, 90, something like that. Well, pre 70, but it was written much later, and Jezebel was someone in history that existed quite a bit before that. She was the wife and the queen of King Ahab of Israel during the divided kingdom. Now, what's the divided kingdom? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about what the divided kingdom was. So, Israel, the nation of Israel, was one nation under King David and under his son Solomon. If you remember, King David kind of eliminated, he was the, the second king of Israel. Saul was the first, and then David was made king. And David spent most of his life fighting against Israel's enemies and secured the borders of the nation of Israel and handed over to his son a land of peace and prosperity and a united kingdom called Israel. And Solomon ruled over that as well, too. So it was one nation. But when Solomon took over the throne, wisest man that ever lived, richest man that ever lived, but he had a butt. Solomon had a butt. Solomon had a lot of ladies. Solomon had a lot of wives. Sil- Solomon had an eye for the ladies. In 1 Kings verse 11, verse 1 through 6, chapter 11, verse 1 through 6, it says, King Solomon, however, this is his butt, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. Let me tell you something. When the Lord says you must not, it's a pretty good idea to not, right? You must not intermarry because if you do, this will happen. Now, as a parent, sometimes I tell my kids you shouldn't do this because this will happen. And in the brain of a teenager, because I was one once, they're like, but I can do this and not have this happen. Like, trust me, if you do A, B will happen. Well, what if I did a little bit of A and then got a little bit? Like, there's always this thing. Just listen to your parents, listen to the Lord. Don't do things that He already knows what the end result of those things is going to be. If you intermarry with them, they will surely, not maybe, not probably, they will turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast, fast to them in love. He had seven hundred people eating the fries off of his plate. He had. Se- I'm just. Kidding. I'm, I'm, bad. I'm bad. I'm bad. He had seven hundred wives of royal birth and three hundred concubines. Apparently, the seven hundred wives weren't enough. You had to have. 300 side chicks as well, too. And his wives led him astray. 1,000 women. Are you kidding me? 1,000. Wow. Being a man is not having 1,000 women. It's having one woman that you can satisfy the rest of her life. As Solomon grew old... I bet that happened quickly. As Solomon grew old... (laughs) (laughs) Solomon's eyes for the ladies created a compromise in his heart towards God because there was this thing in his heart that he desired more than the relationship that he had with God and his obedience to him. And in order to get the girl, he had to tolerate the idols because the girl came with the idols and the idols came with the girl. So if I want the girl, I've got to tolerate the idols now i'm sure at first this was like look i'm a follower of yahweh you're a follower of asterisk we're just going to get together and i'll do my thing and you do your thing i'm sure that's the way it started he tolerated his wife's idol worship girl you had to tolerate the idols some things in this world that we desire require the tolerance of things that God abhors. Yes, right. yes, right. It ain't worth it. Yes, right. It comes with the package. Yes. These gods particularly, I'm going to talk to you about a couple of these Canaanite false gods that were listed here. Sometimes they're grouped under this whole category called the Baals, B-A-A-L. But Ashtoreth was the first god that they mentioned that, that, that Solomon began to worship because his wives did. Ashtoreth was a Canaanite goddess that was kind of like the counterpart to the male Baal right she was a fertility goddess that's the way a lot of these often come into the uh, pantheon of gods that they have is because the infant mortality rates are pretty high fertility is a big issue uh, if you don't have sons to hand something over you don't have a workforce you don't have how many are glad that sons are a ready-made workforce in Jesus name and so uh, you, you don't have anybody to protect you if your husband dies there's no one else that can help carry on the family name so fertility is a big issue in this time period. So, of course, they developed these fertility gods and goddesses. Asherah was another one of those. Asherah, which is different to Ashtoreth, the one that is mentioned here in 1 Kings, was also a fertility goddess and a, like a motherhood goddess. And so the Asherah poles that they would build on top of the hills, which you commonly hear those throughout the Old Testament, became places of idol worship. Both of these goddesses, Ashtoreth and Asherah, they both had male and female prostitutes as priests and priestesses. So the part where you worship this false god, it incorporates sexual immorality. So to be a priest, you had to be also a male prostitute. I, didn't remember, I don't remember reading that in my job description. Thank you, Jesus. And a female, they're, they're priestesses, and one of the ways that they raise money for their temples was that they would go at night down into the city and prostitute themselves to raise money for the temple. It's the thing Paul warned the Corinthian church about later in 1 Corinthians when he had to tell them, hey, you're a Christian, stop sleeping with temple prostitutes. How many of you are glad I don't have to come and say, stop sleeping with temple prostitutes? I hope I don't, but if I do, we'll go there, okay? Because he was saying not only is it sexual immorality, but you're participating in demons by doing so because when you sleep with somebody, whatever they got, you now got too. That's one of the problems of sexual immorality is that demons multiply themselves through sex. So whatever demons you're carrying, if you have sex with someone, male or female, you get their demons, they get your demons too. So one of the reasons that the worship of these priestesses involves sex was it's the way that demons actually multiply. Are you still staying with me? It gets worse, so I hope you're here. Sexual sin was an act of worship. It was required to worship these two goddesses. It wasn't just encouraged, it was required. It was required. Now, Moloch is the other one that he talked about. That Solomon ended up worshiping Ashereth and Moloch. Moloch is the god of human sacrifice. His worshipers would sacrifice their children, archaeologists have dug up in in the hittite culture and the canaanite culture jars that contained the bones of dead children that when these children were born as worship to mulloch you would kill your child put it in a jar and build it into the front wall of your house and that's the way your house was blessed and protected against evil forces what more evil force could there be other than one that kills a child or convinces a parent that somehow the rest of my children will be protected if I sacrifice but one. The human sacrifice and child sacrifice was an act of worship towards this god, Moloch. I want you to understand something about this. These are not fictitious characters. They are demons. They are real, and they exist, and they still are real, and they still exist exist. When you read Greek mythology, when you read Roman mythology, have you ever noticed that Greek and Roman gods are pretty much the same gods, but they have different names? Yeah. Well, the same is true with India, India's gods. The same is true of Canaanite gods because they're the same demons. Yeah. Brett and I did a race at the oceanfront yesterday with Team Hoyt. We got to push one of his uh, p- police buddies who's now paralyzed, and we got a chance to race with him. And every time I race down at the ocean front, every race ends at the same place. It ends at 31st Street at the Hilton. And every time I sit and look at this picture of a demon god in our city, King Neptune. It's a demon. And we celebrate it as if that's the, the picture of our city. And I look at it and I think, It's a slippery slope. not saying everybody runs at the oceanfront as worshiping Neptune. But what I'm saying is these demons have been, since the beginning of time, had a different name and a different generation and a different country, but it's the same demon. Solomon's eyes for the ladies created a compromise in his heart towards God. That compromise led to a toleration of their demons. And that toleration brought demon worship into his home. You see, what's allowed into your heart comes into your home. It's not a big deal if it's just in my own home, right? If I'm looking at porn in my own home, it's not hurting anybody. If I'm getting drunk in my home, if I'm getting high in my home, it's just my house, right? It's not, it's not hurting anybody. I think Solomon's life is a good picture of how quickly demon worship went from having free sex to sacrificing children. It didn't take long. What gets offered to you as free and fun quickly becomes devastating. It's how the demonic works. Free sex with whoever you want, male, female, married, single, doesn't matter. Just follow your flesh and enjoy it. No one can tell you what to do. You have the freedom of choice. Do what you want. Have fun. Oh, and if you get pregnant, just kill the child and give it to the demon. Then go have more sex with as many people as you can. Why? Because that's how the demons multiply. Abortion is the worship of Moloch. Maybe you don't realize that abortion is worship. But it is. It's the worship of demons. It's why women who have had abortions and men who have paid for it and pushed women to have abortions need deliverance. You want some good news? Salvation, healing, and deliverance are part of the package that Jesus gives to us. It's all part of the package. That means that if you have suffered through having an abortion, if you've made the choice, if you're a man that's paid for it for someone else, there is salvation and healing and deliverance for you. We had a meeting yesterday at the Monders house and we prayed for women that have had to make this choice or, or, or have been through it or are considering it right now. And you know, one of my biggest prayers is that God, when there's repentance, that those who have made this choice and had their wombs devastated as a result, and have now become infertile. Because abortion is not clean, and nice, and pretty, and, and everything is good, and then you can... No, it typically wrecks the womb of a woman, where she can't have kids again. But my Bible says Jesus heals wombs. That there are plenty of wombs that got filled our promise as children of Abraham. Do you realize that we're children of the promise? Because a woman's womb that couldn't bear children got healed by the power of Jesus. And she miraculously gave birth. And as a result, we are descendants of Abraham by faith. That I don't care what God may have been worshipped in the past. You're one repentance away from being saved, being delivered, and being healed. But we cannot tolerate Jezebel. Just because there's healing doesn't mean we should just be silent in a time when the church is cajoled and threatened and wooed into silence. This is not the time for silence. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of healing and today is the day of deliverance wombs healed. Solomon's life proves that what happens in private is made public. It's just my home. It's just my wives. Yeah, there's a thousand of them, but this is just the it's just our thing we're doing. You guys keep serving God. We're going to do our thing. Well, First Kings chapter eleven, verse seven. Pretty soon after, on a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifice to their gods. Do you see it's not just in his home anymore? Do you see it's not private anymore? Do you see it's not just his expression of his religion and letting his wives? He's now built it on the top of a hill east of Jerusalem for everybody. Because Jezebel's not happy with just you doing what she wants. You don't have to put it on blast that this is who I am, this is what I believe, this is what I stand for, and you need to do the same. And if you don't, it's your intolerance that means you're not even like Jesus. Don't you know Jesus was the most tolerant of everybody who ever lived, and he accepted everybody exactly the way they were? And if you don't tolerate my worship of Moloch, then you're nothing like Jesus at all. It's a lie. Jesus loved all. He tolerated no sin. By the way, guess who wrote the letter to the church? It wasn't John. John's going, he's dictating. It's Jesus' letter to the church. Criticizing the church for tolerating sin. So don't tell me Jesus tolerates sin. He forgives it, but you can't forgive something that you're not willing to first acknowledge. What was in his home is now for all to see. See, demons, this is what they do. They tempt you in private, but then they demand public worship. There's a private corruption of our thinking through the news, through social media, through our thought life. It's a private corruption, but as soon as you give into it, it gets made public. I pray that my sin gets dealt with in private before it becomes public. <laughs> Too many church leaders is like, they didn't deal with the private and it became public. I hate to tell you, it will become public. But why not deal with it in private and come with a testimony of what God did? I was bound up in this and I got set free. Christians have listened to the incessant cries of the world to think like it does. A 24-hour news cycle has pulled us away from our Bibles. Social media has pulled us away from our prayer life. We stop reaching the lost, and so we surround ourselves with people who support us. I was in the prayer meeting, and Buck comes up and asks me because I was on my phone, and he goes, are you in the Word, or are you on the news? And I was like, dang it. Didn't even know what I was preaching on. Thanks. Thanks a lot. then we're shocked when we hear about Christians taking a pro-abortion stance. Where did that come from? We're shocked when homosexuality and heterosexual activity outside of marriage is not only tolerated, but it's celebrated. What happened? What happened? As a result of Solomon's demon worship, God divided the nation of Israel into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. Israel, 10 of the tribes went to Israel. Two of the tribes went to Judah, Judah and Benjamin. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3, God doesn't pull any punches about why this happened. God said, I will do this because you have forsaken me and worshiped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Moloch, the god of the Ammonites, and have not walked in obedience to me, nor done what is right in my eyes, nor kept my decrees and laws as David, Solomon's father, did. So because of his sin, because of his tolerance of sin, and because of his weakness of his own heart that allowed it into his home, which then became a public display of it, which then became everybody else doing what the king did, God divides the kingdom. Now each kingdom had a king. Judah had a guy named Rehoboam that was actually Solomon's son, and Israel had a guy named Jeroboam. That doesn't confuse you? I don't know which will. Israel ruled by Jeroboam, Judah ruled by Rehoboam. Now Jeroboam After the split kingdom, he's got a shot. He's got a chance. You know the kingdom got divided because of idol worship. And now you've got a chance to set the record straight. Look, hey guys, God told us why this happened. Let's maybe take some counsel and find out. If we repent, God will restore us and the kingdom. But it didn't work towards Jeroboam's agenda to unite the kingdom again. Because now he's got his own kingdom. I'm a king, and I've got a kingdom. So uniting is not in my best interests. And Jeroboam suddenly realizes, wait a minute, the temple is in Jerusalem, and that's Judah's territory. It's not my territory. He has a chance, but what does he do? 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 26, Jeroboam thought to himself, boy, if guys ever get in trouble, when they start thinking to themselves. (laughs) Jeroboam thought to himself, this kingdom will not likely revert to the house of David. We're now, will now likely revert to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of their Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. Oh, come on, at least do like a golden horse. Like the golden calf already got him in trouble the first time. Think of a new animal, you know? But no, a golden calf. He said to the people, It's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Like he's convincing them. He's convinced himself because he thought to himself. How many of you know it wasn't just his own thinking? you do realize that when your thinking leads to something that is disobedience, it's not just your thinking anymore. It's the voice of Jezebel that just goes, hey, just, you know, if they go worship God like he told them to, it's not going to work out good for you. So let me offer you an alternative. One he set up in Bethel and the other in Dan, and this thing became a sin. The people came to worship the one at Bethel and went as far as Dan to worship the other. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. He literally sets up his own religion. Do you know how easy it is to set up your own religion in America? It's staggeringly easy. He sets up his own religion, just builds two cows and go, they're your gods who led you out of Egypt. What a slap in the face. Jeroboam, you had a chance. Man, you had a chance, but you blew it. And he led his corrupted thinking, when he thought to himself, lead to a compromise just like Solomon did. You know, it took some time for Solomon to go from God worshiper to demon worshiper. But the generation after him got way quicker. Because what we tolerate, our kids will celebrate, and our grandkids will worship. The next generation gets there so much quicker. Judah. Wasn't any better than Israel. I told you it gets worse. First king, Kings chapter 14, verse 25. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam. Remember Rehoboam from Judah? Uh, Sheshak, king of Egypt, attacked Israel. Just see if anybody's listening. All of y'all just thought about Sheikh Shak, and now you're getting hungry. I'm going to call him Sheikh Shack because I don't know what else to call him. He carried off the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. He took everything, including all the gold shields Solomon had made. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned these two uh, to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance of the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, the guards bore their shields, and afterward they returned them to the guard room. What happened? The gold left. The gold shields left. So the king decides to replace what was once gold with bronze. Bronze is a mixture of iron and, not iron, it's a mixture of copper and tin. It's man-made. Gold comes out of the earth, pure. You can purify it, but you don't do anything to gold. Gold is gold, and it's always worth something. Gold is valuable. The gold has left, but I'm going to replace it with a man-made substitute. Because isn't bronze better than gold? Who goes to fight with a gold shield? That would be pretty dumb. It's really soft, right? Instead of idol worship, Judah's not worshiping idols, but instead of idol worship, they replaced the glory of the temple with the strength of man. They took what was glory and said, no, 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 that's not really strong. It just looks good. I'm going to replace it with something man-made that will really help me in battle. Surely bronze is better. What good is a gold shield in battle? Well, what good was a trumpet when you're fighting Jericho? What good is a sling and five little river rocks when you're fighting a nine-foot-tall giant? Sometimes God gives you things not because they make sense here, but because they make sense here. In your spirit, you go, I don't know why I'm supposed to march around a city and then blow a trumpet, but I'm so afraid to disobey God because if I rely on the strength of man, I'm done. I'm outnumbered by man. I don't have enough swords. All I did was walk across a desert with shoes that didn't wear out. I've never fought a battle in my life. All I know how to do is trust God. And God goes, great, go blow a trumpet. They're they're six feet thick, the walls, and we, all right, boom, walls come down. Oh, wow. Trumpet sales were pretty good that week, I'm pretty sure. I think this is a picture of what happens when the glory leaves. When the glory leaves the temple, When the presence of God is no longer with us, it's very tempting to turn to the strength of man. Because you feel like you're alone. If God's not with me and it's up to me, I better go find the strongest version of me I can find. And if that doesn't do, I'll go find someone stronger. I'll go find another church growth strategy. I'll go find a better preacher. I'll go find a better youth pastor. I'll go find a better worship leader. I'll go find better lights and a better venue and more stuff. Because if it's all up to me, I know I don't have enough. So I better go find it somewhere else. But this was a time for repentance. Not a gathering of strong people. It was a time to turn hearts back to God. It was a time to get on their face and go, God, we have sinned against you. Fill us again. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Man-made systems have distracted from the reality that the glory has left because of idolatry. When the church tolerates Jezebel and her idolatry, the glory leaves. And when the glory leaves, you suddenly realize things aren't the same here anymore. So I better replace them with man-made things. But atmosphere can't replace presence. Community can't replace family. Hype can never replace worship. Manipulation can't replace godly conviction, and emotionalism can't replace repentance. The compromise of the church, disguised as a method to reach the lost, is driven by the fear of man and creates worshipers of Baal and Moloch and Asherah. Now is the day of repentance. Now is the day to fully surrender our hearts to Him. Before they went over, And and when they crossed the Jordan and before they actually went to attack Jericho, and what did they do to attack? What kind of attack is that? Do you know what they did before that? They didn't have a conference and get all hyped up and psyched up, and they circumcised themselves. Now, strategically, not a good idea to do before you go into battle with a flint knife. I'm not going to draw any pictures right here. I'm just saying not exactly what you do before you go into battle. But they knew the mistakes of their fathers. They knew the tendency of the next generation to slip deeper and quicker in descent than the previous generation. And so they went the other direction. And they went, wait a minute. Our fathers were circumcised before they went into the desert. We've been in the desert and we haven't been circumcised yet. And I don't really know what had this has to do with anything but I just know God told us to do it and so I'm going to be obedient to him and I'm going to surrender this part of my flesh because I'm not going into battle on my strength today is a day of the circumcision not of our flesh but of our hearts hearts that are cut cut by the word Conviction that flows from the Holy Spirit, conviction that leads to repentance, but then that leads to a filling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God is always giving us a path of repentance. During this time, God was still sending prophets. He was still sending prophets to warn the people, "You're going the wrong way." He'll always give us a path of repentance. His word is always with us. So a few generations later, Ahab becomes king of Israel judah is now ruled by this guy asa asa was a good king but ahab the ruler of israel marries a woman named jezebel i told you i'd come back around so he marries this woman jezebel so how did ahab do how did he measure up well first kings 21 verse 25 there was never anyone like ahab sounds good right who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the lord urged on by jezebel his wife he behaved in the vilest manner By going after idols like the Amorites, the Lord drove out before Israel. Ahab is so bad that every other bad king after him is measured by how bad Ahab was. And Ahab is constantly urged on by his wife, Jezebel. Now, this is what you need to know. The name Jezebel, like it's used in Revelation and in other places in the Bible, it refers to the spirit that operated through her. It's not just about the woman herself. It's the spirit that operated through her. That's what the Jezebel spirit is. The Jezebel spirit is one that usurps godly authority to corrupt and enslave a nation. It takes authority that doesn't belong to it. It's the Jezebel spirit we're talking about. So when you read about Jezebel in other places of the Bible, and it says that woman Jezebel, it's referring to the demonic spirit that drove the woman Jezebel to do the things that she did. What is that? Jezebel intimidates she usurps, she works against godly authority, she undermines, she kills the prophets, she calls herself a prophet, but she is not, she raises up false prophets, she had 450 false prophets, they create the zeitgeist of the nation, the way the nation thinks is driven by the 450 false prophets of Jezebel that she has raised up, they create conventional wisdom, they create the way the nation thinks. I don't know about you, but just in my generation, I feel like I'm hearing things said that are like, I don't even understand that thinking. Nobody thought that way when I was a kid. Well, the answer is not just to tell them to think a different way. The Jezebel spirit bewitches. And Jesus warns the church to stop tolerating Jezebel. Tolerance is not a godly value. It is not. Tolerance is not love. Now is the time to stand strong. Now is the time to stop tolerating Jezebel. You know what Jezebel tells Christians? They say, stop celebrating the overturning of Roe versus Wade because you don't, you know, people are hurting. And your gloating and celebration of this decision is causing hurt in people. I'm, you're hurt because you don't get to murder children anymore? I'm I'm a little confused here. That's not what the Bible says. Christians are afraid to speak out against abortion. They're afraid to speak out against sexual immorality. They're afraid to speak out against gender confusion. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6, the greatest chapter of love in the Bible, it says love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. We are rejoicing. That there's no longer a constitutional right to kill babies. We are rejoicing that Jesus is not just an alternative lifestyle. Jesus offers forgiveness and healing and salvation and deliverance. Jezebel confuses the church and then calls the prophets of God intolerant. And so the ones that are the voice crying out in the wilderness to John the Baptist, the prophets that are going, hey, this is wrong. Church, you're going the direction of the world, and it's sending the church and the world to hell, and the prophets that are crying out. Jezebel goes, nope, they're intolerant. They're whatever phobic. Put whatever prefix you want before that, and then add phobia in the end, and that's what Jezebel calls the prophets. They say you're driven by fear when it's Jezebel that is inflicting fear in the church. Jezebel creates gender confusion in kids and then tells the parents, tolerate me or I'll kill your children. This one cuts deep. Because every parent that I know that's dealing with this issue is so afraid to not acknowledge the demonic lies in their children because the child will threaten to commit suicide. I don't know what I would do as a parent but I do know that I would not tolerate the lies that Jezebel has been telling my kids. And I will stand with others who can hold my hands up to say, would you help me war against the lies that Jezebel is telling my kids right now? Worship me or I'll kill your kids and it will be your fault. Do you understand the depths of that lie from the enemy? The church needs clear heads. Timothy tells us that, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It's time that the church gets a clear mind. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your ways. It's not that we can't think the thoughts of God. It's just that we can't think them with our carnal mind. But when our spirit is renewed, we're seated in heavenly places. I think Romy preached that last week. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ. We're at the place where we think what God thinks. We certainly don't tell Him what to think. And we certainly don't try to think to ourselves like Jeroboam did and then put a God stamp on it. I think this and what scripture can I find that will support the way I think about something? Instead of how do I open my heart to God and let Him change my mind with His mind and let Him put replace my heart of stone with His heart of flesh? The church needs clear heads. The church needs a clear voice. I keep hearing this phrase: clarion call, clarion call, clarion call. It's it said that John the Baptist was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Right now, people are in a wilderness. Like their bastion of of truth that they built up that was really just the lies of Jezebel is starting to crumble away, and they're confused. They will come looking for truth. Be a clarion call. Don't give them a compromised gospel that says, come as you are, stay as you are. Say, come as you are. Meet me at the foot of the cross. I'm here too. I'm surrendering my life. You're not coming to me. Let's go to Jesus together. Let his blood wash us of our sin. Let us get his new heart in us so that we don't just do what he tells us we have to do, but we want to do what he tells us we're supposed to do. And we live free of the contamination of the world. We hear the lies of Jezebel because she doesn't stop saying it, but now we actually hear and go, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like Jesus. Because I was just listening to him just now, and you don't sound at all like Jesus. All you just say that because you're a fill-in-the-blank phobe. No. I don't have a spirit of fear. You are the spirit of fear. I have a sound mind. We need clear heads, a clear voice, and we need to speak out. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. There's this great duel that Jezebel ends up having with the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel. She gathers all of her 400 prophets, and it's just Elijah. It's just him. This is one of my all-time favorite stories in the Bible. And they're like, we're going to see which God is God. The one that answers by fire, that's who the real God is. And so they said, put up this sacrifice, and you build your altar, I build my altar, and you, know, you put your sacrifice on it, you call for your God to answer by fire, and I'll call for my God to answer by fire. And uh and that's the, the thing they have. And I, I love that <laughs> total misuse of scripture here, but spare with me. Not total misuse, that's not fair. So he puts, he, he builds the, the wood for the altar, Elijah does, after they just don't answer, their God doesn't answer by fire at all. And he goes, All right, guess you know what time it is now? It's time to cut the bull. I love that. That's my favorite phrase. That's it. That's all it's gonna lead to. Is Elijah goes, cut the bull. It's time for the sacrifice. Cut the bull, fill in whatever suffix you would like to that. When you deal with the lies of Jezebel, it's sometimes it's just time to cut the bull. Can we recognize lies as lies? Can we understand that gender dysmorphia, gender confusion is a lie of the enemy? Can we understand that a life of sexual immorality that somehow has, you've been told is going to bring you intimacy and is going to bring you satisfaction is actually going to enslave you as you're worshiping a demon called Ashereth that has been existing for thousands of years? that freedom is only found in a relationship with Jesus. And where the world said, have as much sex as you can, Jesus goes, I have prepared a spouse for you that you get to have sex with for the rest of your life. And it gets better every year if you are committed to a life of intimacy and oneness with her and oneness with me. And that's what God intends for us. You don't have to go sow your seed everywhere. Be faithful in your home. Be faithful in your worship. Be faithful in your prayer life. Be faithful in your church family. What you tolerate, you teach. Kids learn by what you allow. We want unity in the church, but we can't have unity when there's 450 prophets of Baal running around. Unity won't happen. Kill the lies. Kill the lies. Elijah killed all 450 prophets of Baal by himself. Wow! Did they just line up and like? So, what's the takeaway for us? Kill the false prophecy. That means kill the lies. Stop listening to the news. Stop paying attention. Stop letting Hollywood tell you what you're supposed to think and feel. Stop reading the Disney Bible and start read the Holy Bible. That sounded very King Jamesy right there, didn't it? That was awesome repent and forgive flee from sexual immorality circumcise your hearts and then when god promises in proverbs 14:34 will come true righteousness exalts a nation i want our nation exalted not because of its tolerance but because of its righteousness get right with god Let Him wash you, let Him cleanse you, let Him forgive you, let Him put a new heart in you. But we must not tolerate evil. We must not tolerate adultery, idolatry, same thing, I guess. We must not tolerate fear, and we must not tolerate silence. Would you pray with me? Father? Thank you that you are with us. I thank you that if the glory left this temple, I'm just one surrendered heart away from getting it back. That we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, not a building, not a meeting. And if this morning you're feeling the need to repent of your thinking, maybe of some of your behavior, if you feel like your mind has been corrupted by the lies, and you know, sometimes when you hear the same lie long enough, you begin to believe it without realizing it. The Bible says that God's word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit. It divides your thoughts, which is your soul, from his spirit that is within you. God, let your word, let the word, Jesus, show us which one is the lie and which one is the spirit of truth that resides in us. Repentance doesn't just mean to go the other direction or to stop doing something. The word repentance actually means to change the way you think. So Lord, we invite you this morning. If this is your prayer, I pray that you don't just listen to my prayer, but make this yours. Lord, change the way I think. Sometimes I feel like I'm powerless to do it because I don't know what... What's up, down, left, right, wrong, or right? I need your help. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Take away this heart of stone and give me your heart of flesh. And fill me afresh, God. Because though I got baptized in the Holy Spirit however many years ago, I need it again today and tomorrow and the next day. Fill me afresh. Let your fire fall on this place and on me. Let streams of living water begin to flow from within us so that we can seek out the dry places and bring living water. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You receive it? Good.